Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Subject to Improvement podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about the messy business of messing up in life and leadership and then trying to better ourselves after because none of us are perfect. And I truly believe that every single one of us is going to be subject to some kind of improvement throughout our entire lives. My name is Susanna Margison. I am your host. I am also a lawyer turned conflict strategist and life coach, and I help coach my clients through often very messy situations. And then what usually ends up happening is we end up fixing not only the situation, but their entire lives. It is so rewarding and I love it. Today, I want to talk to you about three mistakes that I see people making when they're writing high stakes emails. And we can all think of a situation where it just took one email for someone's life, business, relationship, reputation to completely blow up. There's, you know, been one thing. Sometimes it's one social media post or one comment or one statement, I should say, that puts people in a really, really bad predicament. And email communication, I think, is it's always been very important. I think it's becoming even more important. I think a lot of us have been socially conditioned not to want any conflict. And so we sometimes end up fighting our fights over email or text. And that can be great because you have a written record of what's been said. So you don't have to rely on your memories. Memories are notoriously unreliable, by the way, when it comes to stuff like this. But the bad thing about it is that if once you put something in email, it's very hard to take back once it's been received by the other person. And also it can be disseminated and spread to other people. And it can really end up messing with your reputation, uh, with your relationship with that person. And it can also end up getting you a result that's the exact opposite of what you wanted in an email. So Knowing this and also knowing that probably one of the main things people asked me about for the first couple of years of coaching was, how do I respond to this nasty email? How do I deal with this request that I got via email and I don't want to say yes, but I don't want the person to go and shit talk me online or I don't want them to go and tell my boss that I'm an asshole or it's to my boss and I don't want my boss to think I'm an asshole. What do I do? How do I respond? And this inspired me to create the unimpeachable high stakes email framework. And this is completely free. I've actually linked it in the show notes of this podcast so you can go and access it yourself. And this framework is one that I have used time and time again. It has never served me wrong. It has always, always helped. And I strongly, I'm so excited about this because I know how helpful it is. So I strongly recommend you go and grab your copy. So today, though, what I want to talk about are the three mistakes that I see people making when they're writing these high stakes emails. And first, I want to talk about what a high stakes situation actually looks like, because sometimes some of us have nervous systems that think every single situation is very, very high stakes. And then other times it can kind of catch us by surprise when a situation is high stakes. So here's how I like to think about it. Number one, if my nervous system is kicking off because of a situation. So if I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, you know, this email could potentially cause a conflict. This email could potentially cause somebody to dislike me to the point where they don't want to have any kind of relationship with me, whether that's professional or personal, that's going to be high stakes. If this email could potentially be shown to a lot of other people, which is almost, I mean, every email can potentially be shown to a lot of other people. But if it's going to be one of those things that's going to 
really activate a lot of people or really like either piss people off or make people judge me, then obviously that's going to be a high stakes email. If I've got somebody's interests running on it. So for example, uh, when you're a lawyer and you're writing emails and you're making settlement offers, those are high stakes emails. Or if you're trying to explain why you've made a decision to somebody, that can be high stakes. But the higher the emotions involved in writing the email, the higher the stakes automatically are going to be. So use your professional and personal judgment on this. But if you're finding your nervous system is going into a fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response, that is your first indicator that, okay, this very well might be high stakes. And you can confirm that by saying to yourself, okay, if this was happening to anybody other than me, like if this was happening to my best friend, if this was, if I was reading about this in a story, if the situation was over there, what would I think about the situation? And if you still think, oh my goodness, it's a high stakes situation, then we know, okay, this is a high stakes email scenario. Now, I always shoot for having my clients be unimpeachable in these situations. And yes, you can hear Orla barking. I'm so sorry about that. But sometimes she likes to make appearances when I'm recording things. So hi from Orla. Okay, so I always shoot for having people be unimpeachable when I'm writing emails for them. What I mean by that, and yes, I am going to give you a dictionary definition of this, but what I mean by being unimpeachable is that you are leaving nothing open to doubt you're leaving nothing open to criticism or questioning. And it means that your credibility and ultimately your, your reputation remain completely intact. So I like people to come across when I'm when either I'm representing them or if I'm helping them through these situations, it's always helpful for them to come across as having the utmost integrity and being entirely trustworthy. And while someone, what this does is that it makes it so that while someone might not agree with what you're saying, there's at least this aura of respect between you. And the other thing that's great about an unimpeachable email or unimpeachable communication in general is that you don't have to worry about it when you're done because you know you've conducted yourself in a way that will stand up to scrutiny later on. So that's what I always look for. And sometimes, by the way, that means cleaning up your side of the street. So if you've messed something up, then sometimes that means you need to own up to that right away rather than trying to hide it. And that's where people get into trouble is when they don't do that. So I learned the word impeachment when I was, oh gosh, maybe six or seven uh, because of the Bill Clinton situation, right? And one of his things was, there were things that he had said that turned out not to be necessarily capital T true. So that's why sometimes you have to own up to that stuff so that you are unimpeachable. But regardless, being unimpeachable is like an insurance policy, especially in a day and age where reputations can be very fragile and people can turn on you very, very quickly. So why this is important in written communication is kind of self-explanatory in that written communication is there forever. It's a written record. It's there for everybody to see. It can also be spread. It can be shared or disseminated. So sometimes if you're having a, like an oral communication with somebody, and I'm, I always err on the side of honesty and transparency, but if you're having a conversation with somebody, they can always take something differently from what you've said. And there was actually a situation I recall uh, when I was litigating years ago where I was having a conversation, we were in a mediation, and I made some comments, and all of a sudden, the other lawyer 
totally twisted them and turned them around. And he turned them around to, to something that was just not, I want to say not flattering. It definitely wasn't flattering, but it also wasn't true. And oh my God, the proverbial steam like came out my ears. Like I remember losing my shit over this situation. And the thing that saved me was that the mediator was there and the mediator heard everything because they were part of the conversation. And they jumped in and said, Miss Margeson, don't worry about it. I'm going to hand and said, that's not what she said. She said something totally different. So you do have that kind of plausible deniability when you're just having conversations. But an email... An email will live on. So if you say something in an email that's rude or untoward or really offensive, that can be spread around and that can can live on and that can end up in front of other people's eyes, not just the recipient. So in a day and age where a lot of us are fighting our battles online, we're doing it in writing, it has become more and more important to be unimpeachable in your written communication. And one thing I want to say about this is that being unimpeachable is not just about the words you're choosing. Those are important, of course, but it's also about the energy of your email. So I think that paying attention to your energy, the impression you're giving off in your writing can really serve you well because people will get a vibe from written emails. And as the saying goes, it's not just what you say, it's what you convey. And so the unimpeachable email framework, I think is brilliant because it also, not just because I wrote it myself, but because I've learned a lot from a lot of different people over the past few years. And I play on some of those unconscious realities that we have. You know, everybody has unconscious priming. And so I play on that in the unimpeachable email framework so that you are setting people up to see you as somebody who is unimpeachable. You are setting yourself up to convey the right kind of energy. And you're also setting the other person up to be on your side and do what you're asking, or at least put the problem on the table instead of making the problem about you. So We also all know what it's like to hit send and then immediately think, "Uh uh-oh, I shouldn't have sent that. And that especially can happen if you've received an email that has totally set you off and then you write back in a rage and then hit send. And then after you're like, oh, God, this is terrible. I've sunk down to their level. You might spend the rest of the day or even a few days ruminating over it. You might be waiting for the backlash or preemptively trying to plan how you're going to talk your way out of the mess. And it can just waste a ton of time. Like there was a study out there, and I quote it all the time because I think it's actually probably um, an underestimate, but there was a study out there which says that people lose on average about four hours a week in workplace conflict. And I did the math, and partly because I bill myself out sometimes by an hourly rate, so I could do the math as to how much that might be costing me if I was losing that much time over conflict. And that's not just fighting actively with somebody, it's like ruminating on it, stewing over it. That's a lot of money that you could potentially be losing out on. And when you use the unimpeachable email framework, that's not going to be a concern because you're going to know that you have done everything that you can possibly do to come out of the situation looking as reasonable and likable as you possibly can. So it's awesome, awesome. The other thing is that sometimes we'll send an email that we think does an amazing job of of explaining our point in a professional and respectful way, 
only to have the recipient flat out refuse to do what we've asked, refuse to even think about our request, or otherwise just go absolutely nuclear. And this is another recipe for losing a shitload of time because of conflict. Because if you're anything like me, what I'll sometimes do is I'll assume that if the person is that upset, then, oh my God, I must have done something wrong. Like, otherwise, why would they be that upset? That is a thought error that I have a lot. And now I know I have the thought error. So when it comes up, I always test it just to make sure. But that can also be a really big problem. But when you've been unimpeachable in your writing, it's less of a concern because you know you can stand by what you've said and it's all kind of on the other person. So the higher the stakes the email, the more all of this stuff needs to be taken into consideration. So here are the three mistakes to avoid. Number one, writing for the wrong person. And what I mean by that is that when you're in a high stakes scenario, when you're thinking there's a good chance the email could be shared, sometimes we write only for the person that we're intending to send the email to. And actually what we should be doing in that scenario was writing for them and for the benefit of other people whose eyes might end up on that email. So one rule that I have had from the very beginning of litigating, because this is like what one of the things they teach you on the very first day of working in a law office as a lawyer, is anything you put in writing can and sometimes will end up in front of a judge. It'll end up in front of the court. It'll end up in a record. And it can be very embarrassing if you've gone and shot your mouth off at somebody. So that's something that is so, so important to think about is, okay, uh, I might send this email to, I'll use my dog as an example. We all know dogs can't, like, fine, I'm just using her as an example. So I might send an email to Orla if Orla was a person. And I might say, okay, I'm going to write this specifically for her. She'll get the jokes. She'll get everything. She'll get the nuances. And then Orla, for whatever reason, loses her shit and sends it off to other people. And suddenly it's casting me in a terrible light. So one of the things that can help is just to think, okay, who else might see this? How might this look to somebody else? And some people will say, you know, how might it look on the front page of a newspaper? Some people might say, you know, would I want my mom to read this? Would I want my boss to see this? But just thinking about it in the sense of, okay, if someone else were to read this, how would they take this? If someone else were to read this and be asked to make a decision about this situation, considering this email, what might they think about this? A great meme that I saw a few years ago went something like this was sing as if no one's listening, dance as if no one's watching, but email like it might might one day be read in a deposition. And I thought that was just brilliant, especially because I have done that to people in, and they're called discoveries here in Canada, but I've done that to people in discoveries where they've told me a story and then it won't align with an email that I've seen that they wrote closer in time to the situation we're there to talk about. And then you put the email to them and then suddenly they get all flustered because they've told you something under oath. It doesn't align with something that they've written in the past and that becomes a problem. So thinking about that stuff in advance can be incredibly, incredibly helpful. It can save you a ton of heartache and it can also save your reputation because even if the recipient is pissed off with what you've written and they go and show it to other people, the other people are going to see what you've written for what it is. And that can be an incredible insurance policy against somebody shit talking you. So that's one of the biggest mistakes I see is that people don't think about who else might one day see this email. The next thing that I see that's a 
big mistake is burying your point. Your email in these high stakes situations is not a mystery novel. I shouldn't have to hunt for Easter eggs to figure out what you're trying to tell me. And also people have a tendency to skim through emails. So I like the higher the stakes, the more clear I am about the overall point of my email. So if I, and I do this for some businesses sometimes because I manage conflict on their behalf for them. So I'll ghostwrite emails denying a refund or um, explaining a decision that the business has made or taken. And I will actually put pretty much up front, uh, this is this is the point. This is what I'm trying to say. And the military actually uses this as well. They call it the bottom line up front principle, which is I want you to tell me the point of the email, the purpose of the email, and the five whys, you know, who, what, where, when, why, and how, I suppose, um, pretty much up front. And then if you want more context, you put it below. But making sure that people understand exactly what you're trying to say is very important because otherwise people will come to their own conclusions. They, you know, they will, they have, there have been think pieces written on people's communication. Like, look at what happened with Meghan Markle, right? Like she wrote a letter to her father and it ended up in the paper. Now she was smart because she, she kind of anticipated that it was going to be leaked. So she wrote it knowing that there were going to be more eyes on, you know, more eyes on it than, than intended. Cause I think it was just supposed to be to her father. But if people have to try to dig for what you're trying to say, they can piece things together on their own. And it might not be the message that you were trying to get across. The third biggest mistake is overlooking the say and convey gap that I was talking about before, but how it's not just what you say, it's also what you convey. And one of the things that has really kind of shifted over the past few years has been punctuation. So I have clients, some of my clients run anxious, which is not pleasant, but I have clients sometimes who will, who will take screenshots of communication that they've gotten from other people and it will have a period instead of an exclamation mark. And the period is almost considered to be like passive aggressive or it almost conveys that you're pissed. And there was a one, there's a, an author who wrote the book called On Brand. Um, her first name is Alyssa. And oh my goodness, I can't remember her last name. But one of the things she says is she's like, think about the difference between thanks, period, and thanks, exclamation mark. So you really want to take a look at your email and think about how this might come across to somebody who doesn't know you, who doesn't know the way you normally speak, who doesn't know that you work really long hours and so your emails are super brief and that's got nothing to do with them. So not getting ahead of that can leave people with a very nasty taste in their mouths. So I have probably admittedly overcompensated for this. And now I use a lot of smiley faces, you know, the colon with the open bracket um, saying, you know, like just to sort of convey that I come in peace or to let people know that I'm not upset or I'm happy or I'm appreciative. I make good use of emojis because I know people are extra sensitive these days. I know people are primed to find fault. Also, being an anxious person, I know what it's like to feel that anxiety. And I don't want to make someone else feel that way because that can also be a breeding ground for conflict. If you make somebody feel a negative emotion, sometimes that actually sets them up to villainize you. So sometimes using an emotion, an emoji, sometimes 
saying something extra, like, you know, I really appreciate your time on this, or I've given this a lot of thought, and I know how important this is to you, and I didn't come to this decision lightly, can make the difference between somebody shit-talking you to everybody else or sending your email around with a negative spin on it versus them maybe not being happy about your decision, but at least respecting you for it. So those are the three top mistakes that I see. And like I said, if you avoid these mistakes, you are already going to be way further ahead of the game. But that is just a taste of the gold that is in the unimpeachable high stakes email framework. So if you haven't already go and grab that framework. And if you are already on my email list, it is November 29th. That is coming out to you this week. So you will already get a copy of that. But until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out with me. And I'm delighted that we're all in this together and we are all subject to improvement. Have a great day.